Oh, hey, Beth. We've got an exciting mini-sode today. We do. And I'm super excited to make everybody uncomfortable talking about money. Right? (laughs) Yes. So uh, frugal living is a topic in the hobby farm and homesteading world that is like super hot. Yes. I mean, right now and all the time, right? Right. You know, there's the romanticized dream of, you know, moving out of the city or out of suburbia and living on your homestead and being super frugal and eating off the land and eating chicken eggs and all that fun stuff. And it's going to be great. And you're going to save so much money. Right. But (laughs) when you actually get out there. Your pretty romantic dreams might be shattered. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you shouldn't be discouraged because we're going to talk today with Amy Dingman from A Farmish Kind of Life all about her book, It's Not About Money Except What It Is. Yes. And you may have heard of Amy from her podcast or her blog titled, as Bev already said, A Farmish Kind of Life. And guys, she's so funny. Like, if you just read her book in the tone that the book's written in, it's pretty hilarious. So she's taking a topic that's a little uncomfortable for most people, and she's adding her own humorous twist to it. And I think this interview will reflect that as well. Yeah, so we're going to jump right into our interview with Amy. You'll get to hear some frugal living tips, how to sort through some of the frugal living tips that you find on the Google, some of our real life experiences about, you know, living frugally on a farm. And I I think it was just a really good episode. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Yes. And this episode's drinks are sponsored by our Patreon peep at Ashley Kiernan. So cheers, lady. Cheers. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining us today. Hey there. Thanks for having me. We're super excited. We like these interviews and getting to know other farm people. So, yeah. They are super fun, yeah. We're very excited to get to know you and to talk about Everything Amy. <laughs> everything Amy? Oh, I don't yeah. know if we want to talk about everything Amy. But... Okay, okay. Yeah. Amy, the Reader's Digest version. How there about you that? Go. There you go. <laughs> Amy, the mini-sode. <laughs> Ooh, that has a ring to it. Ooh, it does. Hmm. <laughs> so, Bev, what are you drinking today? So, I just opened a Sagatuck Brewing Company Blueberry Lemonade Shandy. It's a hot one today, and I felt like I needed something refreshing, so that's what I picked. What are you drinking today, Sam? I have a wine from the, I'm going to slaughter this, probably Paso Robles (laughs) red wine, and it's a tenacious red called Purple Cowboy. Ooh. And it's because there were these winemakers in California that would drink wine all day and then go to the rodeo at night and their teeth would be purple. So. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So I was like, I can identify with that so much. I love the rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So what about you, Amy? What are you drinking? I am drinking. I'm a whiskey girl. Mm. And I tried... um, I tried to find a really great beer that I was going to drink today, and it, it just didn't work out. And so I am back to my, my fallback, which is Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. What? Mm. That sounds I awesome. I know. 
I know. And it definitely tastes like peanut butter. It is super amazing. It's got a great label. It's a picture of a sheep and it talks about being the black sheep of the family. So I don't know. It's it's very tasty. So that's what I'm drinking today. That sounds like all around perfect. The flavor, the marketing. Oh (laughs) my gosh. That sounds right up our alley. (laughs) It's delightful. Mm. All right. Well, I guess we can just dive right in and start talking about everybody's favorite topic that is never awkward to talk about. (laughs) Money! Exactly! (laughs) I mean, and that's why it's the perfect topic for us to tackle because we talk about awkward things all the time without batting an eye so like why not just add one more thing to the list that makes people uncomfortable exactly (laughs) absolutely so um in amy's book she talks about how uh frugal living means something different to everyone so amy do you want to tell us like how you came up with that and what the different types of people with their money are that you talk about in your book because i think this part is really important to get people to understand why we all have a different relationship with money yeah, absolutely. When I would spend a lot of time hanging out in frugal living forums or Facebook groups or whatever, it occurred to me that people come to frugal living in different ways and for different reasons. And when all of those people get in a big group and try to talk to each other, sometimes it doesn't work because mm-hmm. they've come to it in a different way. So I identified three different groups of people that call themselves, you know, frugal living people, I guess. So the first group which I call group A because I'm not creative apparently. I should have come up with a a better name for that. But (laughs) I like to think of them as the people who have enough money and they're making a choice to be frugal. So these are the people, they're not worried about, you know, what they're going to eat tomorrow. They're not worried about how they're going to keep their electricity on. They're not worried about how they're going to make their mortgage payment next month. But they're making the choice to live frugally because they have something they need to deal with. And maybe that's, you know, they spent a lot of money at Christmas last year. Maybe it's they've had a really big repair bill to a vehicle or something, you know, at their house. Um, And they basically need to tighten their belt for a few months, maybe to cover that. Or maybe they're working on like a long-term project. Maybe there's a huge home repair that they want to do, a remodel thing. Maybe they're trying to pay down their debt. Whatever that choice is that's kind of put them on the path to live frugally maybe they're just like I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck anymore you know they've got this thing where they want to save money they have a goal they're working towards but they technically have enough money right now to live so that's group a group b are people that need to be frugal and need to save money because that's what their lack of paycheck dictates you know they are really really bare bones Um, I like to say, you know, how some people would say, I need to tighten my belt a little bit because I need to save money. I like to say that these are the people, they're not trying to tighten their belt. They're just trying to find a pair of pants to put on. Like they are, they are really, really, you know, struggling with money and it's really bare bones. They're the people who are really scraping by. And so when people are like, oh, just save money and make an extra payment towards this bill, they're like, yeah, I, I can't do that. I don't have the extra money to put towards that bill. There's no, you know, they're trying to figure out maybe what bills they're going to pay this month and what bills they're going to pay next month, you know, or, or how they can juggle their money to be able to go to the grocery store. That's, that's a different group of people. Um, And then we have group C, which 
is the special group of people I like to call them. And there's a lot of homesteaders who fit into this group. This is the group where they're the people, they're not really driven by consumerism. You know, they might have old furniture. They haven't updated their home decor in lots of years. They're shopping at the thrift stores. You know, they don't pay for Netflix or anything like that. They're driving their vehicle until, you know, they drive it right into the ground. They're not out there buying the latest and greatest thing and just replacing things to replace things. But they also pay more money to get like grass-fed beef or free-range eggs or local honey. They're not going to the hardware store to get their seeds. You know, like here, you can just go to the hardware store and get your seeds. They're going to order their seeds from someplace that sells heirloom seeds. They're going to, um, they're not going to go to Tractor Supply to pick up their chicks. They're going to order them from a heritage breeder or something like that. So they are, they're the group that lives really simply and they're, they're not like driven by that consumer mindset, but they're probably spending more in certain areas than the other two groups are. So those are those are kind of the differences between the groups. And I think the the why of that really makes a difference because once you get into, you know, determining that why, it's going to determine how you live out that frugal life and what things are okay for you in that frugal life. So it really makes a difference. Yeah. And I really like how you outlined the groups because like, so I'll go ahead and self-identify myself really quick. So I am a group C that Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to define myself because I'm like, I can fill up my gas tank when I want. I don't have to worry about paying my bills, but I intentionally choose not to buy the most expensive thing on something. Like we have done zero renovations to the inside of our house, even though I don't think it matches my style whatsoever but I'm not going to because it all works just fine. And so that would be like a waste of money to me. So I call myself frugal in those ways. But yeah, I do. I order my seeds online. It's funny. You like described mm-hmm. me to a T, which yeah. felt really weird. <laughs> I know. I was like, she's talking about Beth right now. <laughs> so um, Amy, how do you describe yourself as, as living frugally? What kind of frugal homesteader are you? I would say definitely group C. And I think, that's really common for homesteaders because a lot of us become homesteaders because we want that better food and we want, you know, to have accessibility to, you know, all those really great things. And we want to support the people that are local to us. You know, if I have someone who's making honey that's local to me, I want to support them. Obviously, it costs more than what I can get in the store. But, you know, I'm also the person who, wow, I should buy a pair of jeans because I think I've had this same pair of jeans for, you know, and I can see through them, you know, so those kinds of things. (laughs) Like I, I choose what I spend my money on. So... Sam, do you want to tell us what frugal living means to you? So right now I'm definitely in group B, like searching for that pair of jeans. But I am finally finding the jeans that like come up over the thighs. Um, Oh, nice. (laughs) Wiggling in. And like I project in a month and a half, I'll be able to go back to going back to group A. So I think it just depends on like where we're at. Like my husband just got a new job. And we've been transitioning into that and I just got a raise. So I'm able to get out of group B and go to group A where I'm more comfortable because that's, Mm -hmm. I saw my, my mom kind of lived that way. Like we didn't necessarily have Tupperware all the time. Sometimes it it was like the Cool Whip container. Absolutely. (laughs) And you put mashed potatoes in there or whatever. Um, So I think it's kind (laughs) of in my blood, but I think I also have like a splash of group 
see in my blood too. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from hanging out with Bev. I'm, and that's not a, like, a bad thing at all. <laughs> Bev's like rubbing off on Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, she's giving me her bougie-ness with her local honey and grass-fed beef. And I'm trying to smack her over the head with some realism once in a while. <laughs> that's why we do so well together. I like, you're a good team. That's great. We are. Yeah. But yeah, so I think... I think it's important to note to people that maybe they're not always going to be in the same group either. Like your intention might change and mine definitely is evolving and changing just based on based on need right now. Right. And that's a good point because life happens and Mm -hmm. you can be in one group and you can get knocked down to another group or bumped up to, you know, if you want to think of them as levels. Absolutely. You know, life Mm -hmm. happens. So it certainly does. And it's important to not really like say that these levels are like one's better or worse than another because the thing about life is that it can be very cyclical so you can like go through Mm -hmm. them and not not being in one level or another doesn't say anything about like you as a person like personally it's just where you are and what your job is and what you know what's going on in your space at the moment so like the levels aren't meant to be like a shameful thing or like an organizing of people in a very uh, static way it's just like you have to have something to describe yourself so that you can figure out which tips it is that you want to sift through because there's tons of tips out there Mm -hmm. that are not for you, depending on what group you're in, right? Right. right. So um, you identified a bunch of tips in your book that are kind of seen as like, quote unquote, universal. But, you know, once you figured out these groups and you identify that people have different needs and different wants, like you realize these tips aren't universal at all. So what kind of tips did you find while you were writing your book? Right. One that I used to hear a lot was like, well, if you're having trouble with money or you need to cut down your costs, then just cut cable. (laughs) And I would have people say, I've never had cable. Like, do you have another suggestion? And so (laughs) it's funny because a lot of the frugal living tips, I think they center on one group. I think they kind of center on on that um, group A, you know, people who have enough money, but, you know, and they just assume there's things that they can cut out. Or assume that there's things that they're doing, you know, like canceling Netflix. I've never had Netflix, you know, so if people said to me, you should cancel Netflix, I'd be like, (laughs) yeah, okay, next. (laughs) Um, Another one that uh, people will suggest is to eat less expensive food. And this is definitely one of those ones where depending on what group you're in, it really depends on how you see this because I have hung out in like um, frugal living Facebook groups where people say it's, you know, we're really having a rough week this week and we're living on ramen, you know, and then people like in group C will be like, no, I'm not eating ramen. I don't, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm saving my money in different areas because I want to eat good food. So that, that whole eating cheaper food is one that can get very heated sometimes because there are, are certain groups that are not going to, um, accept that as an answer Um, another one that's really funny is people will say well stop drinking your daily latte (laughs) (laughs) and when I was interviewing people for this book I actually had a girl and she lives out in farm country I call myself living out in farm country because you know we're out in the country in you know amongst all the farms and I had this gal she said I don't want you to think that I'm dumb but are, are there people out there that actually do that like they go to Starbucks every day like that was beyond her yeah. scope of experience yeah. and I said yeah. yeah I mean there's people that stop twice a day you know like on the way to work and on the way home and she's like 
I am 45 minutes from the nearest coffee shop. Like I can't even understand, you know, it's like it's, it's out of her scope of um, experience. And so, you know, to have someone say to you, well, you could cut your costs by cutting out your daily latte. There are lots of people out there that, that aren't having a daily latte. So, you know, those, those tips, it's, it's funny to see how everybody relates to them or doesn't relate to them. Right. Well, and you know, one of the thing about the latte too, so when that tip first started circulating, I still lived in the suburbs. So I did have like a daily latte in the morning. It was like, Mm -hmm. if I didn't go and stop and get my daily latte, I would have nothing that motivated me to want to leave my house and go to work. Right. (laughs) Right. Like this is the thing that keeps me going. This is my joy. I don't care if it costs $5 a day to do it. It's the thing that makes me happy. Exactly. I haven't had uh, I haven't had cable in decades, but mm-hmm. I had a daily latte for a little yeah. while. <laughs> and I think sometimes when you look at those tips, I mean, it's it's not just about the money. It's you know, like you said, some, that's your treat. And if I think sometimes when people want to talk about frugal living, when they cut out everything, it, it's hard to maintain that because mm-hmm. you're like, well, wait a second, you know, you need that reward or that treat or that whatever every once in a while too to make it through and to to keep going so right because if you don't give yourself that treat occasionally then you're gonna go on the biggest shopping spree and like have a whole (laughs) new closet in about six months exactly (laughs) and then you'll really be screwed or or just Mm -hmm. drink starbucks like all day long for one day (laughs) for sure well, and it's really funny that we are having this conversation now because I actually just listened to another podcast episode about a week ago, and it's uh, Hidden Brain with Shankar Vedante over um, from the NPR studios, and he just did an episode on money scarcity mm. and how living in a constant state of want or need mm. can really affect you mm-hmm. from a cognitive standpoint. So intentionally denying your yourself things that would make your life more enjoyable can really have some detrimental side effects that you may yeah. not realize and For some sure. people live in scarcity like because of a situation that has happened in the moment so they just have to get through this but while they're getting through it they're having a hard time making decisions because mm-hmm. everything's in panic mode mm-hmm. and your yep. brain is like wired to get you out of panic mode so mm-hmm. it's a really interesting episode and I'll link to that in the show notes in case everyone, anyone wants to listen to it as like follow-up yeah yeah and I think I've heard before too with that whole scarcity mindset if you're just constantly perpetuating that in your brain it's like you almost start attracting bad things too or you're just Mm. paying attention more to the other bad shit happening to you right like I've definitely had to talk myself out of the scarcity mindset in the past six months because it's a very dark place and like Bev said you can't think about anything else right at all and that's paralyzing And that's not good for your Mm -hmm. mental health on top of being in a situation that you may or may not be able to control. Like, I wasn't spending Mm -hmm. money on lattes. (laughs) Right. You know? Right. And and I had, you know, cheap coffee. So I I focused on the fact that I could even afford the cheap coffee to make me happy. Like, you got to find those things Mm -hmm. to make you happy um, in order to shift your focus from scarcity. Because Mm -hmm. it's just not good. You're not going to be in a good spot. And it's not going to help you get Mm -hmm. out of that spot either. Right. For sure. And I'm sure some of you are wondering, well, like, what does all of this have to do with owning your dream hobby (laughs) farm? Why are you guys talking about money? (laughs) Why am I getting the sweats? Because it's so uncomfortable to even listen to people talk about. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? I, I'd be lying. I am sitting over here I sweating. Am too. It's really weird. You guys are my <laughs> friends and I'm sweating. <laughs> well the thing about running a hobby farm or any type of farm or anything where there's animals and a garden or property like those things cost money Mm -hmm. but there are people out there that are telling you that it doesn't right for sure yeah we're gonna tell you that yes it does (laughs) and that's a bunch of bullshit If you think it doesn't, first word, phrase number one, property taxes. Holy hell. Right there. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's a struggle. Ugh. Yes. For sure. Because, like, moving to the country isn't necessarily going to save you money no matter what you create on your land yourself. Because there is infrastructure that you have to build. Mm -hmm. There are startup costs. Like... Yeah, I mean, and I was one of those people that thought that by starting my own hobby farm, I would save money on groceries, even though I didn't really spend a ton of money on groceries to begin with, even though I am a group C and I bought better stuff. My mindset was, if I plan better and throw away less, I spend less money. And that has actually worked pretty well for us. But I like to humble brag to people that I only spend $100 a week on groceries. I'll call that my homestead humble brag of the week. (laughs) And we have a family of four. So like $100 a week, people are like, oh, my God, that's so little money. But if you've been following me or listening to this podcast, you know that I spent hundreds of dollars on an electric fence for a garden Mm -hmm. that I've only gotten like a handful of things out of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, those garden beds needed to be filled and they needed to be built and the goats have to eat and they're not being milked yet. And, you know, like so I'm spending hundreds of dollars a month on other things mm-hmm. instead of my grocery bill for the things that we do here. <laughs> for sure. It feels like sometimes when, I mean, our experience was when we got to the homestead, we've been here since 2011. And it's amazing because while you you can save a lot of money on groceries because now you're raising all this stuff and growing all this stuff, you now have a feed bill and you now have <laughs> an electric bill for your barns and you now have a vet bill for the animals that need to be taken care of and it's almost like some of those costs they just shift to another column and sometimes yep. that column is more expensive than it would have been if you were just you know buying all your stuff from the store it depends on the year and what happens and yeah, yeah it's it's amazing and a lot of people don't talk about that part of it so yeah absolutely and part of me wonders if it's because it's so taboo and you don't Mm. want to give away the perception that it's not all rainbows and butterflies on your Mm -hmm. farm and the stuff just, you know, your chickens might be free ranging all day and trying to find all the good stuff in the, in the grass, but they're still going to go back and eat their little hearts out in the coop Mm -hmm. with the food. And I'm pushing the feed thing around in the store, like the little cart and I'm like six bags high. And they're like, wow, I was stocking up. And I'm like, yeah, this will last like two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Eighty dollars later. Exactly. There yeah. we go. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. And you know, Sam, like you mentioned earlier, like living in the country has a higher property tax bill because you know there's more properties. So yeah. You pay higher yeah. taxes. And all that really depends on your state. So obviously, mm-hmm. like we're not talking Yay. to everybody here. Um, but yeah, like uh also depending on your state, what you have on your property can increase your property tax bill. So like more money or more buildings is mm-hmm. more property mm-hmm. tax money in my state or I guess it might just be my county but concrete is taxable oh, yeah. for property oh my gosh really? oh yeah 
Me so too. we have to be really choosy about what we put a concrete pad down for. Oh my gosh. I'm yeah. learning so much. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right? We, we actually oh came gosh. across that. We had like the person from the township or whatever come and she asked like right after we moved in, do you have concrete in your barn? And I couldn't think. And I was like, um, and she's like, I'm just going to mark no because it's more expensive. And then I think the next year somebody came back out. Went and looked in the barn because no one was home, and then our taxes oh shot up. Oh my gosh! Because of that, and property value around us went up, and that's yeah, been wow. a huge problem for us because it went up so much that it you really see the change in the mortgage, and then you start thinking, mm. man, maybe I need to off some of these chickens or ducks or mm-hmm. something because the feed bill, you know, you need to find a way to equal it out, right? And you, that's the kind of expense that you just don't even think of or expect on the homestead. Mm-hmm is yep. the the government part. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not as romantic when you start thinking about property tax. <laughs> That's not romantic. No, no it's not <laughs> no, sexy it's at not. all. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> well, but also like those buildings require more maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. like having a second house. So It really is. Like yep. you mentioned, the electricity bill yeah. or like if anything goes wrong with yeah. the well pump in yes. that building or a hole comes in the roof or it's leaking like yeah it's like having another house that has to be taken care of it really is (laughs) Mm -hmm. and also um they'll kind of romanticize that diy is like (laughs) the way that you'll offset (laughs) the extra costs for some of your things but like diy takes time and materials also (laughs) yeah and the crazy thing about being out on a homestead is you're dealing with mother nature and you're dealing with weather and so sometimes you know you have this thing that you need to do today and then your equipment will break and I know that I could fix that myself or let's be real my husband could fix that himself it's not going to be me but maybe we don't have time and we know if we just you know have someone come fix it or we go buy this part that's more expensive than what we could make ourselves you know it all has to do with time and when you're working on that schedule you know sometimes you have to deal with the more expensive fix just because you know, homestead life and mother nature and tomorrow, you know, it's going to storm. And so you can't do what you're doing today. And it can be frustrating and expensive. (laughs) Oh, very. (laughs) I mean, and have either of you guys had to have a repair person come out to your farms to do anything? Not yet. It's a nightmare trying to get anybody out here to do anything. Because like the nearest companies are 30 or 45 or 50 minutes out and they don't want to come out here just to give you an estimate for something like they want to know that they're going to do it and they charge you mileage and everything else. So like a simple air conditioner repair costs twice as much out here than it did when we lived in the suburbs. (laughs) And that was something um, because we're very DIY at our house if we can, you know, if we have the time and we can do it, that's what we do. But when I had interviewed people for the book, I heard that a lot. Like when you live out, you're going to pay a service charge, like just for the travel for them to come out. And I was like, wow, I, you know, I hadn't experienced that yet. But yeah, that's one more thing about getting your dream farm out, you know, in the country. And, you know, it's just another cost that people don't generally talk about. So, well, and then some people will tell you that, don't worry, even if you bring all those up, you'll offset all of that with all of the money you're going to make selling all the things you make. <laughs> Was I laughing? I was laughing. Wasn't I? <laughs> I think we all kind of cackled a little bit at that one. Yeah. <laughs> the evil cackle. The evil yeah. cackle. Yes. Yes. Our experience has been, you know, because we live out in farm country, 
you know, we just had this idea. We were going to move here and we were going to have all the chickens and we were going to sell the eggs and we we're going to have this giant garden and sell all our produce. But when you move to the middle of farm country, you find out everybody is doing the exact same yep. thing as you. Yep. And nobody wants to buy your eggs because they have eggs. They're trying to sell you eggs because they have too many eggs, you know, <laughs> and you're like, I don't need eggs. I have my own eggs. And so it was really funny. I drove, I had a meeting I had to go to like an hour south of here and um, it was funny to see all the farm stands and the produce stands because it wasn't like in farm country. It was more like suburbia and people had, you know, a little bit of land. And so they were able to grow some stuff and have a few chickens. And so they would sell that. And probably within a 10 mile radius, I probably saw like eight farm stands. And I thought, that's amazing. Like you would never see that where I live. So mm. it totally depends where you live. If I was to want to sell the stuff that I have on my property, I would have to drive to the city. And that's great if you want to do that. But again, that's time and time is money. And do you want to drive to the city and set something up where you can sell stuff to people? And it's yeah. another thing that people don't exactly talk about all the time. So, Well, and some people are really good at growing and raising things and marketing it and mm -hmm. bringing it to the city. So there are tons right. of people that we know online that do make a living at markets and do right. well. But for someone like me who doesn't garden very well yet, like that's just not a reality for me. If I were to try to bring some of the stuff that I grow to the market, no one would want to buy it because it's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could market it as ugly. Yeah, yeah. there we go. You could do something with that, you know? Yeah, buy my ugly go. bell peppers. They're there shaped you like your scary hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other thing about selling things too, it kind of rolls back to um, an episode that we're going to, uh, or that we just dropped a few days ago um, about how Facebook is cracking down on animal sales and oh, yeah. animal byproducts. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. like, it, that has shifted my thinking about, like, breeding goats in the future. Because this year I was, like, I did the thing where I named all of them. I named all the baby goats after they came out. And I was, like, it's fine. I'll still sell them. And now I still have them all and I'm keeping them all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was, like, you know what? Next year I'll do better with this. I'm just going to breed the one doe. And then I'll, you know, put them up on Facebook or something or Instagram. But now you really can't do that because it threatens... Mm -hmm. I mean, your business pages, it, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize drink and farm at all. Um, right. So that totally shifts things away too. Now there are other places you can go to sell them online, but mm -hmm. with Facebook, it would just always felt more comfortable because I could stalk the person that was going mm -hmm. to buy them. <laughs> right. So that you definitely was showing things. up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, so selling stuff can be from your farm can be rather difficult depending on your skill set or mm -hmm. what your neighbors have going on around mm -hmm. them or what you're comfortable with doing. Mm -hmm. Yep. I actually had my in-laws say, you know what? You have all these eggs on your counter. You you could just put a stand out by the road and like say they're like for $2 or something. Like literally both sides of me like down a little bit already do that. So oh, geez. <laughs> unless I drove my prices down. <laughs> yeah. But I'm lucky enough to have like a big kid job where I can like take them into work and sell them there. And I do a little bit of mm -hmm. that, but it's mm -hmm. not enough to like impact things in a right. way that is like life changing or, oh my yeah. gosh, I could actually quit my big kid job one day. No, it's not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you know, we say all of this not to say that moving to the country and living the lives that we live isn't worth it because that's absolutely not true. Like we do it because we love it. Right. right? 
<laughs> right. And I think, you know, for all the stress that it can cause, you know, because, you know, you're dealing with animals and you're dealing with Mother Nature and all of that. And, you know, it's difficult. But even having said that, I think there's a lot of peace that comes with it. And I, I don't I don't think you can get that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I, I love living out here when we have people who come and visit they're they The first thing they always say is it is so quiet out here. Mm-hmm. it's so quiet and it's so peaceful and you're so lucky to live out here and you know sometimes you need those people who don't live in that reality and have that normal you need them to come visit to, to yeah. point out to you the yeah. awesome of where you live <laughs> and you know this awesome life that you have so yeah it's very peaceful it's you know you're you're trading a a bit of that craziness and that cost for your mental health and and that's important so absolutely Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's going to depend on who you are. Like, obviously, all three of us are in agreement on that because that's <laughs> what we do. But, you know, <laughs> right. There are people that do this and realize it's not for them. And that's totally fine. Right. You, yeah. you don't have to have 100 chickens if you don't want to. Absolutely. Have five. Right. <laughs> if yeah. That's what makes you happy. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's important to point out because I think there's a lot of people, especially like in the blogging world, who will be like, you need to move to the the, home, the country and you need to do all these things. And once you get out there, you realize what animals are for you and how much you can handle. Like we moved out here and my husband, um, he wanted horses. Like he had wanted horses since he was little. He'd always lived in town. And so when we moved out here to the farm, he was like, I want horses. And we got horses. And about three years later, he was like, I don't want horses. <laughs> you know, so, and it was kind of like that with, with goats for a while for us. That was what I wanted when we moved to the farm. I want goats. I'm going to milk them. I'm going to do all the things. It's going to be amazing. And we had them for a few years. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't think goats are our thing, at least right now. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't working for us at the time. And I just like, that's okay. I think sometimes when you move to the country, you have to experiment a little bit and get those animals and it's okay to figure out, you know, I, five chickens is okay, you know, or I thought I wanted to raise ducks, but guess what? I don't. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's important to to know that that's okay. Yeah. Not everyone can put up with ducks rocketing poop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or like the duck dick dragging across your lawn. Oh my like, gosh, ducks are, ducks are super special. Oh, they are savages too, man. They're Do you have ducks? Level. Yeah, I have ducks and I have too many male ducks right now. And oh. I need to get away, get rid of a few of them. Got it, got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just so rapey. They're rapey <laughs> creatures. <laughs> but mm-hmm. so can roosters can be too. I mean, they really can you be, really yeah. just see the animal instinct come Absolutely. out. Absolutely. My boys, it's so funny, like living on a farm, they, you know, like we never had to talk about sex ed really. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> our boys because when you live on a farm you're like what are the animals doing oh look they're they're making babies again you know so yep. that was just I mean it's normal but you know when we had a ton of I mean we had a point where we had like 75 chickens that were just running free like gangs around the farm and it was insane and so yeah would you have a lot of re- roosters they're just out yep. of control and my boys would be like I think there's a little bit of gang rape going yeah. on <laughs> I'm like, you guys look away that's yeah so yeah, it, animal instinct too. for sure yeah. Yeah, we have a, a pair of roosters. They get along fine with each other, but the poor hens, like one will be on top of the other mm. one and then he'll run oh, across geez. the yard like let me get in on that too. Yeah. And it's yeah. just it's intense. It's but same Absolutely. thing with like my stepkids. Like like I said, we only have them every other week. So when they're here, they see things that they don't they see at mom. see things. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we're having this conversation now. And hopefully she doesn't right. get pissed at me because I there can't lie. Go. I can't lie about it. This is what's happening. It's real life. Exactly. It's life on the farm. Exactly. Yes. Yeehaw. 
(laughs) (laughs) So do you have any um, just overall advice that you could give about going into homesteading with a realistic mindset to somebody that might be new or feeling a little discouraged? I would say uh, try to know what you're getting into or know the reason for why you're getting into it. Because I think if you go back to that, when you've got those really super stressful times when you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? You know, when you go back to that original reason, um, you know, it might give you some insight and a little bit of like, okay, we can do this. Uh-huh. Um, I would also say to be prepared absolutely for the, be prepared for anything, you know, for just because, oh my gosh, it, the one thing that we realized moving to the farm was how much you are at the mercy of mother nature. And there's so much that you can't control and you just have no control over so much stuff and you can plan and you can be like, this is what we're going to do this year and we're going to rock it out. And then Mother Nature's (laughs) like, oh, really? (laughs) Hold my beer. So it's just being, exactly, exactly. So it's it's just being prepared for all of that. So, and um, I had a, well, I should tell you, we've had a very expensive summer here. Our original intention this summer was to replace all the siding and the windows on our farmhouse, right? Mm. Then when we looked at the budget, we were like, "Eh, we should maybe wait till next year. You know, we could do it this year, but it'd probably be better to wait till next year. Okay, awesome. Well, then we had a water line break on our farm. (gasps) And we ended up doing like this whole like well like we almost completely replaced our well we dug into it well we had we hired people we were like this project's way too big for us and so we dug into it and really we're dealing with a system that was put in in 1948 oh wow wow. and it hadn't been updated until 1967 okay so really it was time for it to happen right but so i mean that's what we dealt with this year but the really funny thing is when i started talking about this online i had a bunch of people who were like oh you should have had an emergency fund Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i was like so what makes you think we didn't (laughs) you know like you can have that drawer of money that you're saving for a rainy day or for the stuff that's going to happen and oh my gosh home ownership but you know especially homestead ownership like there's going to be stuff that's just expensive and it's what happens and it doesn't mean you failed you know and sometimes when you go into the frugal living forums or facebook groups or whatever you you can feel like okay i totally screwed up you know like i should have had ten thousand dollars sitting instead of five thousand dollars sitting you know who know the bill who knew the bill was going to be seven thousand five hundred dollars you know so it's just like it's life and it happens and you just keep trying to save money and then the money goes and you try to save more and and that's that's the reality of it so and give yourself some freaking grace absolutely like because you know like you said life happens Mm -hmm. and you know it's not even stuff that's just on the homestead it could be things with your health it could be things with your other family maybe you're trying to help them out and like people that say shit like you should have had an emergency fund don't slow down enough to think about okay what else is that person probably going through right yeah right so yeah don't listen to the haters i don't i talk to my computer but i I don't i don't type out what i said you just yell it out loud then it's fine you feel better you're cleansed exactly (laughs) well and you know i think some of that stuff comes from a place of so much fear that 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 could be them that rather Mm. than empathizing they just point out what right. was done wrong right. rather than just admitting that this is something that could happen to any one uh-huh. of us. Right. 
Yeah. Like that's that's the reality. But you can't let that get you down. You can't let mm-hmm. that scare you. You just you have to keep going to the best of your ability. Yeah. And that's why having a community, a farm community and people you can talk to about it and that can empathize with you is key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us today. This it was, was super really fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. And my dogs didn't even make noise. So that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> I think they deserve some treats after this. Maybe. I think they do. They they would agree with you, I think. <laughs> Maybe you should take them to Starbucks and get them their little puppuccinos. <laughs> I probably should. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like they deserve it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening, you guys. We hope you enjoyed this interview that we had with Amy Dingman from A Farmish Kind of Life. Yes, and we'll have links to Amy's blog, podcast, and her book, It's Not About Money, except when it is in the show notes. And guys, she's written another book, too, about homeschooling. So if you're a homeschooling parent or thinking about homeschooling, that might be a fun one for you to check out, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. And until next time, drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things.